0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So if you were here last week, um, the, the story, the famous story is being told um, of the prodigal son, number one, because actually it, it's the, really the story of the prodigal sons. If we're doing it and teaching the kids, we generally only talk in the Sunday school about the, the first prodigal son. Um, and we, we forget that Jesus, actually the intention of it was that the Pharisees would hear the story and that they would put themselves in the picture. And guess who they are? They're involved. He's wanting them to know that, that you've got to look out for not becoming an elder son. And uh, so I'm going to read from Luke chapter 15, and uh, you can follow along on the screen or in your own Bibles. Luke 15. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your, <coughs> your... <coughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, (coughs) all these years I've been slaving for you. Never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, that's interesting, isn't it? This son of yours, that's like a, you know, not mine, nothing to do with me, who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home. You kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found when i was in the police the, you'd regularly get sent to um, a mfh abbreviated it when you wrote it down missing from home report and as its mother in sunday any any parent who's ever known even for a f- longer than a few moments the oh no where is he oh no where is she kind of thing you'll never forget that sort of feeling and um so it's quite understandable when I'd arrive and you'd have a mother in particular who'd be there demanding that the the uh, the coast guard and the army and the helicopter and the sniffer dogs all be dispatched to come and find the missing child at once and um yeah, there was a line on the form that would save us an awful lot of trouble. And if you did what it said, and you had to, you had to actually tick a box to say that you'd done it. And it said, uh, have you searched the house? Because <laughs> that's what you have to do first of all, was like, search the house. And then you might find, actually, forget the sniffer dogs and the Coast Guard and the army and everything, because the child's asleep under a bed. Or he's been playing hide and seek, and kind of you know he's in a cupboard or or something like this, and and um, we looked last time at what it is to be lost in the world, and in some senses people are lost in the world. Actually, it's fairly easy to spot somebody who's lost in the world, and yet. It, and Jesus does talk about that in his story. He talks about the first son and how he squandered everything. And it seems that some people are only ever going to learn the hard way. He had to hit rock bottom before he would come to his senses and say, I'm made for more than this and, and go back, take the journey to go back to his, his, his father's house. And rather than get the roasting that he might have expected, instead he got the roast beef that he didn't expect. You laughed this time. Last, uh, last bunch. I've got to tell you, it was just like. So yeah, I like this. I like you all better now. I can't believe I said that because people are going to be. Like, oh, you like them better. Than but he was given the three things that he needed most. Somebody who's lost in the world needs three things: a robe, a ring and sandals that's what he was given now what does that represent he wasn't just given a party he was given a robe and ring and sandals which is a place to be permission to do and a purpose to go We've not been very good sometimes at the church in giving lost people what they need. We've maybe even not even noticed. We've not thrown a party. We've not really celebrated when they've come home to the Father's love. But even beyond that, we have to give them what, what they need to be able to go and make a difference. That's part of what this series is about. But... As Like I said, it's easier to spot somebody who's lost in the world than it is to spot somebody who's lost in the house. See, this, not necessarily that everybody's at the lowest stage and living with pigs, but even if somebody seems happy and looks like they've got everything in place, if they're looking for a place and a purpose outside of the love of God and the will of God, then they are lost. And no matter how far they're going and how fast they're going, they're going in the wrong direction. And the worst part of being lost is when you don't know it. And you just carry on regardless. And I know, because when I drive a car, there's been so many times when I've seen the thing back there, the sign that tells me that's where you should have gone. And I just have like blind optimism that if I carry on, maybe even if I put my foot down, I'll go a bit faster and somehow it will turn into being the right way. And then humility and common sense and my wife, usually in that order, help me to turn around and go the way that I should have gone. And that's, uh, that's humility, but it's also what's called repentance. Repentance literally means you turn around and go the right way now. So it's, it's harder to spot somebody who's lost in the house because it's possible to be in the house, even in the house of God, and, and yet to be lost and alone, to not be found and not be at home in the house of God. 1 Samuel chapter 3 describes a time, the days, it says, the word of the Lord was very rare in Israel. And the priests who were supposed to be there to help connect people to God had become very self-indulgent and corrupt and indifferent to the people. And the lights were going low one, one time when God started to speak to a sleepy young boy by the name of Samuel very famous story that um, Hannah has prayed for this child and then when he's born, she dedicates him, literally gives him back to God to grow up and he grows up in the tabernacle of the Lord. So he's, he's in the holiest spot on planet earth. He's been dedicated to the service of God but even though he's lying there next to the Ark of the Covenant with all of the holy stuff, all around him just because he was in the house of God didn't know, that, didn't mean that he knew the occupant. That's why it's really important for us to pray for the children in the church too. That they have that, that this is for me realisation. This isn't just for, for you. Proximity to the things of God is no guarantee of intimacy with him. You know, you can grow up around church, you can grow up in one of those kind of families and hear all about him, but in the end, God had to call Samuel over and over and over, and then he needed somebody else to come along and help him know, this is who's speaking, and this is what you do about it. And so he was given the words to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then the divine connection was opened. And it says that Samuel grew up to become, he was the, the last of the judges. And then he, he ends up being the kingmaker. He's the one who, he says, none of his words fell to the ground. He was this incredible prophet, but it all started with these words. And uh, there's, there's, there's three attitudes that are summed up by what he said in that, speak Lord for your servant is listening. There's three, three words of that. So we can put the next one on. First one is expectation. It's like, do you expect God to speak? You can come into the house of God with no expectation that God is going to speak to you. You can just be there, go through the motions. Lord, you can hear him speak and do nothing about it. And when that happens, you're Lord. He's not Lord. Because the next part is Responsiveness. Your servant is listening. That's the posture. That's the attitude that opens up even more revelation from God. I'm going to talk tonight. We're doing a series all about prophecy, and this evening um, I'm going to talk, talk about what prophecy is and hearing from God and what it isn't. And you know, I said last week that some of us that if if our phone goes missing for five minutes, we're absolutely panic stricken, and yet we can go weeks without hearing God and we think it's okay. Something wrong with that picture (coughs) because we can't bear to think that we would be out of connection with the stuff of the world and yet we can live completely without a connection to heaven and still call ourselves Christians. We need to check our hearts. So going back to the Jesus' story about the prodigal older brother. He's working out on the ranch as usual on the day that his brother comes home. And as he's going to the house, he hears this strange sound that he's not heard for years. He can't even remember it. Fun. He hears the sound of a party, a celebration. He's like, what's going on? Not heard anything like that. Can't remember it. And then when he finds out what it is and what the reason is, he's absolutely not for joining in. Now I'm not going to ask about anybody who's the oldest and who's the youngest here, but I'm quite interested, read for years about stuff to do with birth order and how it can affect children and uh, our place in the family growing up. And you know, if you look in the Bible, this is something the Bible talks about a lot, the interplay between different siblings and all those kind of things and how that all works out features in loads of stories. We uh, finally caught up, psychologists did, with uh, somebody called Alfred Adler was the first one to make a study where he he talked about the trouble that can happen when you have a firstborn and that they have been the centre of attention, the young prince or princess, and then suddenly they get dethroned by another child that comes along. And how this can have significant effects on her personality growing up. Everybody's taking a picture of this now, trying to work it out. <laughs> firstborns walk and talk quicker, usually. They are given more responsibility, so they become like mini-adults. Most presidents, most astronauts are firstborns, by a long chalk. Firstborns across the across the across a, a lifetime make significantly more money than any of the other children, on average. I think about my older brother Terry. I think about my oldest daughter, Emma, and I compare them with some of the traits that I read about with the firstborns. And say we're not going to go. Through, we haven't got time to go through all of these. But but they're neat and tidy and conscientious. And Emma would always have all of the the felt tip pens in rainbow order lined up perfectly and you know administrative genius perfectionistic their mission is to organise the world meanwhile younger children can often be spoiled and pampered (laughs) some people are nodding (laughs) It's older people, usually older ones that are nodding. Yes, that's so true. And that can affect their later personality. So I'm a younger brother. My mission is to break the things of my older brother and mess them up. I shared a room with him. Can you imagine how bad that must have been for Terry? Half of the room was Terry's world. Half of it, well, bleeding over into his, was mine. (laughs) And now I look at my grandsons. I look at Cole and Leo and what what they're like. And I'm like, oh man, I must have been so annoying. (laughs) I must have been. (laughs) Thank you. Prayers available for all of us. Now, when the firstborn in Jesus' story comes home from another hard day of doing everything right and the happy music tells him there's a party going on for the younger one who's blown it all, surprisingly, he's not best pleased. He asks the servant, what's going on? Oh, you're... Your brother came home and your dad has thrown a big party for him and remember that that big fat calf you've been looking after and feeding up we're having that and it tastes fantastic and he's like wow I'm not going in absolutely refuses to go in so What happens to happen is dad comes out because he won't go in. I'm not sure how much it is, what it is about this dad that I love more. The fact that he will run out to the youngest who's messed up or the fact that he comes out to the oldest who stands outside and won't come in. But on both occasions, what a picture of the heart of God. That he comes to us. He comes to us where we are. But then the older son, he still won't come in. He's saying, come in, come in. He says, no. He refuses to come in. And he doesn't just refuse. He's like disrespectful. He's angry in the way in which he speaks to his dad. He's like, are you kidding me? I never left. I never did anything wrong. I've been here all this time. And then he, the one who who took a third of what is ours, blew it all on wine, women and song. And he's never been any good at singing. And... Then he comes back when he conveniently, when it's time for him to decide to come back, he comes back and he gets the party. I never got a party. I never even got a happy meal. <laughs> All these years, he says. Now, he's been lost in the house and there are many people, there are people in the church who get lost in the house. And they, they complain, they moan about money spent on mission. Time and effort that's spent on reaching them, because who's looking after me? Who's gonna look who's gonna who's gonna look after us? And they work and they serve, and they sometimes do it patiently and sometimes they do it grumpily, but they work and they work. And it's like the contrast, is Martha and Mary, and that's a whole other sermon. But you know the story, most of you, that Jesus came and visited visited, and it says Martha opened her home. But when you read the story, it's only Mary who opened her heart. Because you can open your home and not open your heart. Martha was so busy, busy, serving, getting everything right. She forgot who she was doing it for. And I don't know what the birth order was in that house, but I could probably hazard a guess between Martha and Mary. Because it says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? See, that's what this attitude ends up doing. It says God doesn't care about me because he cares too much about them. Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Lord, I'm going to tell you, Lord, what you need to do and what she needs to do. What a way to talk to Jesus. And I have to wonder about the condition of the relationship between the older brother with his father when I read how he expressed his disapproval at the decision as far as he was concerned just to waste more on a waster and he uses the nastiest words he can possibly use to to paint the most horrible picture of his younger brother imaginable rather than Even consider mercy and forgiveness and grace. Three attitudes that he voiced are in direct contrast to the things that Samuel was told to voice in order to be able to open up a connection to God. Let's look at this contrast entitlement rather than gratitude. All these years, I want a badge of honor for the amount of years I've served. Slavery. What have I been doing? I've been slaving for you. What does that tell him about the Father? Who does he see his father as? Resentment. He refused to come in. That tells us about the house and how he feels about the house. He's not at home. He can be at the house, but he's not at home. No matter how the father pleads with him, come in, come in. He stands there bitterly glaring on the threshold, on the doorstep. No, no way he's lost and alone nearly 11 years ago now weirdly uh, I came here and there was a, a meeting when we were the other way around where the people the good people of Ivy Cottage were um, quizzed me for a, a good long time actually it was the biggest longest job interview imaginable by the most people I loved it and uh, I got asked all kinds of questions. And then at the end, they said, okay, uh, come back in a couple of weeks and we're going to take a vote as to whether or not we're gonna, we'd like to invite you to come and be the senior leader here. And when that happened, I prayed about it. I actually said, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to come and preach a sermon. I'm going to show you a little video and then I'm going to go to my mate John's house and you can have your vote and you can let me know what you think and then we'll pray about that. So um, there was a video that was shown, Reinhard Bonnke. There's a cruise ship going through the world some of you were there and there's a storm and the word comes to the captain that because there's people in the water the cruise ship now can't be a cruise ship anymore has to be launching the lifeboats and some people absolutely refuse to get in the lifeboats they're saying like well those people who are out there they must be drug runners they deserve everything that they get and I've not signed up for manning lifeboats I'm here for a cruise and then some people, but very few, end up going down and getting in lifeboats and going out into the water. And there's this bit that always gets me. There's a little girl who's drowning in the water and one of the crew members actually dives out of the lifeboat to go and catch her. And, and so I, all I did was at the end of that video, I then said, you're going to take your vote in a little bit. Let me tell you um, that however many kinds of churches there are in the world, there's actually only ever really two kinds. There are cruise ships and there are lifeboats. And if you invite me to come to be the leader of Ivy Church, If ever it comes to a point of decision about that, we are always going to be more about who we can reach than who we can keep. We're always going to be about lifeboats more than a cruise ship. And if you're not up for that, please vote no. Because if I come and lead this church, that's the decisions that I'm going to encourage us all to continue to make. Because the reason I said that was is because actually if you look at it, the churches that are dying fastest are the ones that are focusing most on who they can keep. I'm so grateful that this church has so often decided let's man the lifeboats. Let's not just sit here comfortable and do that but let's be thinking about because it isn't just actually this affects whether you're lost in the world it also affects whether or not you get lost in the house because that's an attitude in, in our hearts that stops us coming in. The reason that we have this heart is because we want to be like God. We want to be like the father who goes out and says come in. Rick Warren says it takes an unselfish church to grow. The highest form of selfishness is to be content to go to heaven alone. And churches that fill up with older brothers saying what about me will never grow and slowly die. not only do they stop younger brothers coming home they're often the reason why they leave in the first place So we saw what somebody who's lost in the world needs to be given at the party that celebrates their homecoming, a robe, a ring and sandals. But our God is such a good God. The father also has some things for somebody who's been lost in the house and he offers them to us today and then it's up to us whether or not we're going to come in and say yes to them. There's three things and they're all included in what he told the older son. Ready? My son. That's identity. My son, my daughter, my child. None of us are the older brother anymore. Jesus is our older brother. Mm. Hebrews 10 verse 11 says he's not ashamed to call us brothers. We're, We're in his family now. And if we call God our father, then we're not slaves. We never slave away. We're heirs. We're not orphans. We're heirs. We are family and we serve. But when we serve, we don't serve as slaves we serve as sons. We serve as daughters. We choose. Nobody's making us. You know, I'm really grateful for people who stood up and said oh, I'll go and help out and be part of the children's work and anybody who does that. There was a moment I sat there and I actually prayed when Hannah said it and I said Lord you want me to go out and, and serve in one of the groups because guess what? They're every bit as important yeah. in those groups and I did pray and I, I said, Lord, if you want me to, uh, you know, we can leave a note that says, talk amongst yourselves. And, and it is that important to me, the children. And I'm grateful for everybody. It's important to you too. And if, if more of us did a little bit more, there'd be so much less that everybody has to do. And it's brilliant to be able to invest in the lives of those children and young people. So I'm grateful for everybody. Who does that? But I would go and, if I did that, it wouldn't be, we never want anybody to do it because you've got to. It's meant to be because I get to. I get to serve. Because I'm a son. I'm in this house. This is an identity issue. I know who my dad is. That's the next one, really, that comes out of that. Because he says, the father says to him, you are always with me. That's intimacy. Intimacy. Do you know that there's never a place, there's never a time, there never will be when God isn't close? You can be as close as you want to him and our world is so fractured and dysfunctional and messed up and people are looking for connection and we've got a connection to the love of God. To a, 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 People need to know who their dad is. Do you know who, you, who your dad is? Do you know he's a good father? We sing that song. He's such a good father. And he wants his children to be close. You're not just working for him, but walking with him. Enjoying him. So whatever your experience of earthly parents, God the Father loves you. Not only does he love you, by the way, he likes you. You know, you can go another level. You can sort of feel like God has to love me because of Jesus. Well, actually, he likes you. He likes spending time with you. He doesn't want you to pray out of duty, he wants you to talk. Number three, finally, when we come into the house, we hear God say, Everything I have is yours. That's generosity. When you know everything that He's got is mine. He's holding nothing back. And the father is exceedingly generous. Everything he does, he does with abundance. The feast was great. The calf was fat. The robe was the best robe. But the older brother's poverty mindset stopped him enjoying any of it. Scarcity thinking says there's not enough. And there's never enough some people make a virtue out of poverty the bible calls it a curse the elder brother's stingy heart did not reflect the house that he was invited to come into it kept him outside the door fuming about the waste it's what also what kept him from enjoying even a skinny goat it's like, I've never had a party with my friends. Well, you could have had one if you'd made any. <laughs> if you weren't so busy. He gave himself credit for not spending anything. But if being rich is sinful, God is the biggest sinner of all. You look at what's the streets of heaven made with? Gold. What's the gates of heaven? Pearl. Our God is a God of abundance. There's no deficiency. There's no lack in heaven. The the Lord isn't stingy with anything. The Bible says he withholds no good thing. Jesus said, ask. He wants our thinking to be abundant. Abundant. I'm, talking not just a, I'm not saying, oh, go and get yourself a Rolls Royce off, God. I'm saying there's enough. Because when you realise, I'm in this house now. I'm in this house and he's my dad. I've got an inheritance that cannot fade. That's why Paul encouraged the Philippians. He said, my God will meet all your needs, not according to your needs, not according to your wants, but according to his Abundant riches in Christ Jesus. When you make yourself available to God, he makes himself and his resources available for you. His hospitality, his generosity, just say, come in, come in, there's enough. There's enough for you. And the thing is, when I start to let my mind change like that, when, it's, when my heart changes like that, because I know this is my house, when it's my house, I can go to the fridge and I can get what's in the fridge because It's mine. This is, I, I've got rights. And if you want some, it's all right. It's here. There's enough, not just for me, but there's enough for you as well. Because this is my house. There's plenty more where that came from. Some time ago, somebody came to me ages ago and said, can I, is it all right if we, if I use your church to have a meeting here and to pray for the sick? It was a while, years ago. And this was somebody who'd been in the church for years. And I said, why do you think it's my church? It's your church. It's like, it's, it's yours. This is, And actually, your church. <laughs> this isn't church. So there's something wrong when the church is asking a person about, you know what I mean? It was just, it's a different mindset. This is, we're a church. And, and to the extent, the, the, here's the problem. The eldest brother hides in our hearts that's why it's really hard to see him in ourselves the father stands there saying come in come in there's enough there's love enough for you there's an increasing expanding inheritance there's always enough you don't have to be a slave you're an heir you don't have to be lost and alone. Come in and be found and at home. And so those are the steps. And we're going to be looking at these in the next few weeks. We've got some, uh, just the next few weeks, is going to be looking through some of the steps that take us from being lost and alone to found and at home in the series. Carla, if you can put the next slide on, I think. Um, is it stuck? Nope, not working. OK. See, you could have been around church all your life. That's not the point. The father rejoices more over one who is lost than one who doesn't think that they need to be. And we're going to be going through these five D's of discipleship in the next next few weeks. So um, don't try not to miss any of them. These are three things. Uh, if you're able to stand, please stand. And I'm going to ask for an honesty moment. Um, if there's one of these areas where you realise actually I need to come in I need to, I need to come in I've been like an elder brother and to stick up a hand just to, like saying yeah Lord that's me and I'm owning that and I want to come closer I don't want to be on the outside looking in identity do you know who your father really is have you forgotten who your dad is intimacy do you know how close he wants you to be maybe you like the older brother, you're like I've never particularly done anything bad, and you see younger brothers being celebrated because they have. And you're like I've just grown up around church, and 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 it it sort of loses the the shine of salvation. And generosity, just that. Not talking about money, it includes money, but this is about having permission to to know who your dad is and what he says you can do and you can come in and celebrate and share with that so if there's one of these areas that you're just owning up to before God and saying yeah I've been like an older brother just stick up a hand so I can see it with me I know I have thank you Jesus say I don't want to be like that I want to come in because just close your eyes and I don't know how you picture God but picture him as a, as a wonderful loving father with his arms outstretched and a party going on behind him and a big smile on his face and he's just saying come in come into who you are come into who i am come in, come in to come come into what i've got for you come into more than enough and if you want to just during the worship you're standing there or whatever. just in the worship time at some point as we're singing this is come to the altar just take a little step forward sometimes just a physical move in some way says I don't want to be distant I don't want to be withdrawn I want to draw closer and what I'm coming in don't just hang around on the threshold of God's love he wants you in the house he wants you to be found and at home in his love he's welcoming you his arms are open wide It's time to do business with God as we sing. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.